So, we've been spending the last bunch of weeks looking at A Christmas Carol, but I would be a little bit remiss if I, uh, if I didn't jump back to one of my favorite um, TV Christmas specials. Um, really, I wasn't a fan of A Christmas Carol until I started doing this, and now I'm kind of blown away by the whole work. But uh, one of my favorite Christmas TV shows, and I try to explain to my kids this, and it's lost on them, which is, if you're a man of, of my, uh, my age, a man in and around his 30s, um, you know that when we were growing up, when Rudolph was on, for example, that was like should have been a national holiday, right? See, because if you missed Rudolph, you didn't see it until next year. And I mean, this would cause great wailing and gnashing of teeth in the Eisman household. You know, we had to work everything around, Frosty and Rudolph and, and Santa Claus was coming to town when they were on because you didn't get another chance. And so every year, I still get excited like those are the days. And my kids look at me like, I could watch that in August, Dad. What's the big deal? Like, why are you so into it? Well, one of those shows that I never wanted to miss was Charlie Brown Christmas, right? It's just like, it's, it's the classic Christmas thing. And, you know... On so many levels, it's a great story. But this year and every year, year after year, and I think next year for the 50th time, Linus is going to get up on national TV, right, during prime time, and he's going to read the Bible, right? And he's going to share, in a sense, this message of the gospel of Jesus Christ on TV. And it's, I can't believe this hasn't been bleeped out yet, right? It's like we're sneaking it by somehow, year after year. And the other night, uh, Jim Brewer, me, you know I love old of all 70s TV show characters. You have to hear him do Edith and Archie. He had me rolling on the ground. But uh, I love Christmas trivia. When, when we do, we've done it at um, staff and elder Christmas parties, we do Christmas trivia. When we've done... Um, uh, one of our small groups just did a party for Market Street Mission. They did Christmas trivia down there. And one of my go-to Christmas trivia questions is this. It's based on Charlie Brown. When, when Charlie Brown goes to Dr. Lucy's office, because the psychiatrist is really in, right? And he sits down and he describes what's going on in his life. She comes up with a, a diagnosis for him. Does anybody know what the medical condition she says that Charlie Brown is suffering from? Anyone? See, you know because you just did the Christmas trivia. I can't, the first service, they all knew it. This is why you people were our late risers, I guess. You, pantophobia. Charlie Brown was suffering from pantophobia. Anybody remember what it is? The fear of everything, right? So this morning, as you step into Dr. Eisman's office, I want to introduce you to a different phobia, um, one you might not be aware of, one I wasn't aware of until I started doing my work on this this week. Um, if you've entered this story, and I've encouraged you to enter this story, the story of Ebenezer Scrooge, and you allowed yourself to enter and not see yourself as Bob Cratchit, because we always read it and think we're Cratchit and our boss is Scrooge, right, staff? As we read this, uh, if you would allow yourself to see yourself as Scrooge and, and, and maybe not Cratchit, you will be able to relate to today's talk maybe like no one else, because Scrooge suffered from a fear late in the story called chronophobia. I'm going to tell you what that is in a minute. Now, by way of review, if you haven't been around, let me just walk you a little bit through Scrooge's journey so far in this one night. 
Scrooge, up to this point, has been visited by three ghosts already. The first ghost was the ghost of his old business partner, Jacob Marley. In fact, it was Marley, this is great, it was Marley that's responsible for this bad night that Scrooge is, is having. Scrooge chalks it up to some bad mustard or some, some bad pork that he had. But all these ghosts are coming because Marley has been, has been sending them to warn Scrooge of a certain fate. And if you were here a few weeks ago, we looked at how that parallels very closely to Jesus' story about the rich man and Lazarus. And how the rich man finds himself, because of the life he lived, separated eternally from God, in a sense, bound in the chains that he forged in his life. And how the rich man longed to be able to send a warning back to his brothers so they wouldn't live the kind of life that he lived. So Marley shows up. And he's covered in chains and lockboxes. If you remember, the answer to the question is, no, those grease stains did not come out of my shirt from a few weeks ago that I, that I had up here. My shirt was a victim of uh, the, the life I live. So Marley shows up, and he's covered in chains and lockboxes, and he says he forged these in his life, and the chains now burden him for eternity. And at first, Scrooge can't understand this. He looks at him and goes, I don't understand. You lived such a good life. And then he goes, you were such a good businessman. As if being this good businessman and having all of these things had, had led to this good life. And Marley looks at me, he has this great line. He goes, business? He says, business. My business should have been mankind. My business should have been charity and mercy and forbearance and benevolence. That was my business. But unfortunately, Scrooge, I cast a blind eye to the whole thing. And Scrooge is given something very unique. Scrooge is given a look into what his eternity would look like. And so then comes the, the ghost of Christmas past. And Ebenezer, and if, if you were here, that was, a, that was a deep, deep time we had together. Ebenezer got, maybe you did too, a look into his past. And how his past decisions and, and, and wrongs and regrets had impacted him. We looked at those things. Things that we've done. Things that I've done. Or things that you haven't done, or I haven't done, and, and things that other people have done to us. How they formed Scrooge. Scrooge wasn't always a miserly, old, bitter man. But things had happened to him in his life. His father had abandoned him. He was set off to a boarding school. He was unloved. And, and they set him, his past set him on a certain trajectory for his life. Scrooge, not unlike you and I, as much as we want to say that it's not true, Scrooge was a product of his past, and it was controlling in many ways his future. Now, if you were here, perhaps it humanized Scrooge a little bit for you that morning. Maybe it gave you a sense of pity for him, rather than kind of the cold character we always think he is. And then last week, we looked at the, the, the ghost of Christmas present. And it brought with it that, that very scary scene that a lot of Christmas carols don't show where, where the ghost of Christmas present kind of opens his coat and you see these two heinous-looking children. And he says, these are ignorance and want. Be very, very worried about them because they spell doom. Because Scrooge, just like Marley, had closed his eyes to the world around him, to the plight of the poor and the marginalized. In fact, what had he done? He had cajoled himself into believing that he actually was a good guy and he was taking care of these things. He goes, what do you mean? You know, I'm, I'm not guilty of any of this. Don't I pay my taxes? Don't I support the poor houses? Isn't there welfare programs for people like these? So he actually tricks himself into thinking that he's part of the solution when the truth is that Scrooge was actually part of the problem in, the, in London in the 1800s, the audience to which Dickens is writing about. 
this new urbanized system that had kind of taken place in London, and it was exploiting the poorest of the poor and the weakest of the weak. If you remember, Dickens wrote this story right after seeing the conditions of poor children in a tin mine. In 1839, right, in London, it was estimated that half of all the funerals in London were for children 10 and under because of the working conditions. And we looked at how we can often be guilty of the same thing. If you remember, I can't shake that Princeton study I told you about last week, where neuroscientists examined the brain of Americans, and they showed them different things and saw what happened to their brains. And when they showed them images of poor, destitute, homeless people, the lights that go off in the brain of the average American is essentially, uh, essentially the same as, as it goes off when you see a pile of garbage. So Scrooge's heart was closed to the poor and the broken, but what the truth is that in our own brokenness, it's almost somehow hardwired into us. It's because of the fall, it's because of what happened, it's because of our separation from God. We want to, it's built into us to turn a blind eye, to not see, to not feel it. How many of you have watched a, uh, a, a Feed the Children commercial late at night and said, I can't watch this. I've got to stop looking at this. Because if I look at it, I might have to do, there's this element, I might have to do something about it. It's in there, it's hardwired into us. And so this Scrooge finds himself, this late evening of his haunting, he's seen, he's been warned of his eternal destiny by Marley, he's, he's re-experienced the pain and the forming and the shaping of his past and how it's impacted the man he is. And how that impact has allowed him, quite frankly, to not give a damn about what's going on in the world around him, but to instead just simply worry about himself. Building himself up a little bit. Making sure he has a nice life. I think the right place for you and I to set ourselves in this morning is that same place. If you, this month, this Advent season, this season that the church has traditionally said is a season of waiting for a Savior, if you allow yourself to believe that you have or had an eternal destiny which was at risk, and that that destiny has been, been impacted, what was going to happen to you has been impacted by things in your past, bad choices of you, yours or others, and that that destiny, too, is impacted, your future is impacted by your ability to continue to close your eyes and your ears to all of the things that need your help. Instead, instead we, we focus on our constant pursuit of betterment. If you allowed yourself to get there and said, my gosh, you know, I, I've got some issues in my past, I'm, I, and they're pushing me in a trajectory I'm not comfortable with, and... It's kind of honest that I really do focus most of my time on myself. And somebody showed up in your door and said, given where you've been in the past and given what you're doing right now, how would you like to see your present? Or excuse me, how would you like to see your future? You would experience what Scrooge did, which was chronophobia, the fear of time. Or more specifically, the fear of the future, of what it holds. Scrooge, upon seeing his, his, his past and his present, and the spirit of yet to come shows up. He says this, he goes, I fear you more than anyone I've seen. Understanding what's at stake for me, knowing where I've been, what I've done, the path I'm on, frankly, Scrooge says, and if we're honest about this, maybe we say, frankly, I'm scared to death about what you're going to show me. Because I know the trajectory I'm on. I don't know what your story is, 
Maybe knowing about the relationship with your spouse, right? Where you've been, what you've done. Maybe because it's so hard for us to relate with each other at deep levels, right? And walls build up. What if someone came and said, I'm going to show you your marriage in 20 years based on what it, what it looks like now. Why don't you come see? How many of us would go, mm, I'm not sure I want to see that. The fact that, I don't know what it is for you, I, the fact that, uh, that you can't stop drinking. Five years ago, oh, it's just social drinking, it's just having some fun. But if you're honest, if you're honest this morning, it's become something more than that. And, and in a sense, what happened to Marley is becoming true of you. Something has taken hold of you. There are some chains that are getting put upon you. And it's starting to have some impact in your house and with your spouse and with your kids and with your work. How would you like it if the ghost of Christmas is yet to come showed up and said, I would like to show you where this is going? Because you might have been the person that always said, you know, it's family first for me. In fact, that's why you're working so ridiculously hard, so your kids can have all the things that you didn't. But if you were honest and you kept track of the hours, the one thing that they don't have that they do want is you. And it's not because you have to work at the level you're working. It's because, like Scrooge, you found another love called a career, and, and called, called making a name for yourself. And, and between the train and the meetings and the deadlines and the trips and the work-at-home evenings and the juggling has just kind of gotten a little out of balance and time is going by so ridiculously fast and these kids are getting so big all of a sudden and the ghost of Christmas future shows up and goes, why don't you come along? I'd like to show you what this is going to look like in a few years. But I was going to, I mean, I meant to, I will someday, I mean, I'll break it off, I'll put it down, I'll, I'll turn the channel, I'll make the call, uh, but just, I just need to get past this one season in my life. As soon as I get my life together, it'll change then, it'll start then, it'll stop then, and the ghost of Christmas yet to come shows up at the door and says, come with me. And it's like, crow, oh no, not now, not tonight. Don't do that phobia. For Scrooge, if you know the story, here's what he gets to see. The spirit of Christmas future takes him to a, a dirty second-hand shop where there's a kind of a, a, a filthy old woman, and, and she's house. And blankets and bed curtains from another woman who stole them need to be returned, and from an undertaker who had stripped a body clean. Scrooge gets to take that in, and without a word, the spirit of Christmas future takes him then to a dark and a bare room similar to his own. And the quote was, a pale light rising in the outer air fell straight upon the bed, and on it, plundered and bereft, unwatched, unwept, uncared for, was the body of this man. It was Scrooge. And Scrooge is seeing this, and it's devastating him that there's this person that is dead that no one cares for. He can't understand how that's possible. So at one point, he says to the spirit, I don't want to see this. I would like to see people that care for somebody that's passed away. And he's immediately then taken to the home of Bob Cratchit, where the family is gathered and are grieving over the death of Tiny Tim. A remorseful scene, and his spirit even more. 1800s, because of what was going on with child, child labor and child mortality, it was, it was kind of a firsthand experience that most of the people that read this story, most of them had lost a child. 
And at the reading, one, one author said this, at the reading of a Christmas carol in Boston in 1867, it noted that the passage of Tiny Tim's death, quote, brought out so many pocket handkerchiefs that it looked as if a snowstorm had somehow gotten into the hall without tickets. And what was Tiny Tim's ailment? He was crippled, he was unable to run, he was in, in pain in his joints. It's interesting, in, in 1992, um, the American Journal of Disease of Children, uh, let me get the actor, in an issue of the American Journal of Diseases of Children, Dr. Assistant Professor of Pediatrics and Neurology, studied distal renal tubular acidosis. It wasn't recognized in name until the late 20th century, but therapies to treat it were totally available in Dickens' time. The reason that Tiny Tim died from a much curable disease was because Ebenezer Scrooge didn't pay his father enough. And Scrooge knew that. And he feels the weight of these things starting to bear down on him. He starts to understand what his past has been and where his future is going. The scary spirit, don't show me anymore. I don't want to see anymore. Take me home. And that's when this scene plays out. Agreed that you would transport. Inspector. Something informs me that the moment of our parting. What man was that whom we saw lying dead? No. No, before I draw near to that stone, answer me this. Are the things you have shown me the shadows of the things that will be? Are they the shadows of the things that... Horses will foreshadow certain ends. I, I accept it. If those courses be departed from, so by what you show me? <laughs> Must have been but for this visitation. Why show me this if I am past all hope? Spirit, your nature intercedes for me and pities me. That I may change these things by an altered life. Here, I will live in the past, present, and the future. The spirits of all three shall strive within me. I will not shut out the lessons that they teach. Tell me. Tell <laughs> that I may sponge. Swear me. There is a, a quote in there. Or are they lying? Are these? And Scrooge goes, men's courses will foreshadow certain ends to which if persevered in, they must lead. But, but if the courses be departed from, can the ends change? And see, that's the same story and the same question for all of us. Every one of us, in a sense that have ever occupied in a, a star in a vastness beyond comprehension.
Because the issue is not so much what Dickens is trying to teach 19th century Londoners. The issue is what God is trying to teach all of mankind. And it's recounted in the history of man and biblical are on a trajectory. What Scrooge said is very true. All of our courses foreshadow certain ends to which, if persevered, they must lead. And the story of the scripture from Genesis to Revelation is that that trajectory, apart from a baby before us, cut out for us, in a sense, grooved for us by the brokenness of our world and of our souls. If you've been around the church long enough, there's a foundational teaching for or you're a bad person. This is the teaching. You're not a bad you work too far away from home. The foundational teach brokenness. Yes, to different degrees. But these things are forged in us by sin, by our brokenness, by our separation from God. They're forged in us by our own sin and, and what other sin have done. End of the story. But we all have a desire to build up our own kingdoms on the backs of others. The truth is, every one of us suffers from the same root problem. Because the story, it's a story of what sin has done to us. It's as if sin, and, and by this I'm talking about this innate brokenness in us. Our fallenness, this world has cut out when we were created to be. It's as if sin, it groove. And it's set all of us on a trajectory that we find ourselves on. Leading. The, the scripture tells a very similar story. It talks about a, a man named Zacchaeus. A man. And if your kids have been to nursery school, you know, you wanted to see. Zacchaeus was a wee little man, a wee little man. The truth is, Zacchaeus was known as anything but a wee little man as he walked around Jerusalem. He was a guy you didn't want to run to, into. Here's the story. In Luke 19, Jesus, the same Jesus that grows up into a full man, much as much there in the manger, because he's much safer in the manger. Passing through, and a man was there by the name of Zacchaeus. He was a chief tax collector. A chief tax collector. A chief tax collector in the first century in Judea would not be a little man in town. Israel were treasonous extorters of God's people. And they would appoint different. Many of you know what the Romans would do is they would come into given a sum that they were to raise from the people of that town. Anything above that sum that they were able to collect, they could keep. And they could use the force of the, ro the, the Roman fist to enforce that and get it. And that made Zacchaeus and tax collectors very... They turned their backs on their own people. They persecuted their own kind for their own gain. In fact, they were excommunicated from the temple. They weren't even allowed to worship God anymore. That's how bad they were. They were considered defiled and uncleaned. It was the tax collectors. So he was wealthy. But yet he wanted to see who Jesus was. And because he was short, not a wee little man, but he was short, he couldn't see Jesus in the crowd. So he ran ahead and he climbed a sycamore tree to come down immediately. You've got to put yourself in the place of Zacchaeus. There's an element here of, I'm screwed. He knows who I am. He knows what I'm done. I, and then Jesus looks at him and says, I must stay at your house today. What? So he comes down and welcomes, welcomes gladly. And of course, all the religious people do. But Zacchaeus stood up and he said to the Lord, Look, Lord, here, here and now, I give half of my possessions to the poor. If I've cheated anybody out of anything, I'm going to pay it back four times the amount. And Jesus says to him, Today, seek, 
and to save this house because this man too is on a trajectory. All men are on a trajectory to the worst of us is only changed by one man, the Son of Man. Have you seen uh, Talladega Nights when they go to play at dinner time? And Ricky Bobby starts praying. I don't like to think of that, Jesus. And he says, uh, they, and he prays to him that way. He's a lot safer there. But the truth is to leave Jesus in the manger is to rob him of everything, to rob him of his mission and his purpose and to misunderstand him. One of the greatest Advent songs that the church has sung, Set Thy People Free. Born with a mission, born with a purpose, unto a people finding themselves inset through the trajectory of your life. Life. To smooth over the groove, you have come to seek and save what was lost. And that was you and I. Our hearts and our souls stolen away from God by an enemy that we can't see, we, we can't know, and we can't defeat. This Jesus, his life available to be lived in my life can change your future. Now, I need you to go here with me a little bit so you understand this at deep places. Will allow yourself for a moment to see in your past. What are those places are? But said, let me take you back and let me let you look at this for a minute. Where there's some hurt, where there's some shame, where there, there's that place of I wish no one knew about that. If you would see how little you care, if you'd be honest about how little you care about the suffering around you, and I'm talking about me too. And if we're honest, we, we oftentimes find ourselves participating, be advocates of a system that does promote, so promote uh, the, the marginal. Then there's this. When you get there, when you find a savior, oh, man, you understand a gift like no one ever has before. One, one that can save you from a future for you. You will experience of a destiny. One that can pull you in repentance and restoration and forgiveness. Joy like you've never known. A slate wiped completely free. A chance for a new life. Not one that's based out of something that somebody did to me when I was six. Not something based out of a decision I made when I was 20. Not paying the price for all of the 40s. The chance for he is, right? When he understands, wait a minute, I can go back to the temple? I'm no longer like the outcast in town? You can picture him bouncing around the room. Around the Oscars, right? You, they love me. Bouncing off the walls. I'm forgiven. I'm going to repay everything. None of it matters anymore. I found something so much better. My life has a new chance. My destiny doesn't have to be this way. It probably looks a little like... What day? What day is today? Today? Why, it's Christmas Day, of course. Christmas Day. I haven't missed it. The spirits did it all in one night. Well, they can do anything they like. Of course they can. Um, hello, my fine fellow. Hello. Intelligent boy. in the next street but one. Uh, on the if they've sold the prize turkey that was hanging there. The one as big as me? <laughs> Delightful boy. <laughs> Pleasure talking to you. <laughs> the one as big as you. It's hanging there now. Well, go and buy it. Yes, go and buy it and bring them round so that in five minutes, give her it. Come back with the man, I'll give you...
So much to do, I don't want to lose any time. He is an angel. <laughs> I'm, his, I'm his giddy. <laughs> Merry Christmas to everybody and a happy new year to the world! <laughs> Did this be a prank, boy? I'll come to understand his salvation. A new chance, a new life for Scrooge and for Zacchaeus and for John and for Joan and for, and for, for Courtney. And uh, we could go around the room. Where the regrets are getting Eric set free from longer being held responsible for your ignorance. Your eyes have been opened to the, the story of your presence. You've, you've been given a new freedom. And he's going to come up. Eternal question. Men's courses will foreshadow certain ends to which, if persevered in, they must lead. Courses are departed from. Can the ends change? The answer, more specifically, because of a God who would not leave man alone to his own devices. Because of a God who would not leave you alone in your sin. Because of a God who would not leave you alone, haunted by your past, formed by your past, for from the foundation of time, guiding you, chasing you. Coming for you. Now, don't let me minimize this. Your past choices have eternal consequences. What others did to you, and for some of us, those are some pretty ugly and heinous things. Those things have consequences atoning for. Our ignorance, our turning blind eyes, our sins, it all had consequences. We were once slaves to it. Men, in a sense, held ransom by sin for centuries. And then finally this. And she'll bring forth a son. And they're going to call him Emmanuel, which means God's. God is in us. He's not over there where he can't be found to strike you down here with us. Here for us. This Christmas... Don't Ricky Bobby it. Don't leave. This is life had a trajectory. He settled into your groove so that it would be smoothed over. A ransom for sin. A pardon for many. God. And when I watched it with the video, I was just moved and crushed and inspired. And I said, man, you got to sing. This is the story of Christmas. So. Never mystery to me that the hands of God could be reaching hands that measure the sky.
had heard an angel symphony Savior to sleep. Hallelujah, 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 here with us, you're here with us. Jesus the Christ. out the rut that you're in, that the potential for tomorrow is different because of him. You know, Dickens, when he chose his words in this story, he chose them really carefully. I told you that Scrooge had meant one that was squeezed and hard-pressed, and it had to do with the fact that he could squeeze a nickel out of everything, and also that he, he was squeezed by his sin. But there's another word that I want, I want to make you aware of, Ebenezer. It comes from the Hebrew, Ebenezer. And that word is used in Samuel. In Samuel, when, when God's people battle the Philistines, and God shows up and he does something miraculous, and he saves his people. Samuel goes out and he puts what he calls a memorial stone down, an Ebenezer. And he said, this is a, a memorial stone to show me that God was with us in this place. And he helped us. So this Christmas, let these weeks of this silly story be an Ebenezer for you, your own little Ebenezer, to say, yeah, in that place 2,000 years ago, but in this place today, God has helped me, and God is here with me, and he's the God over my past, he's the God that forgives my present, and he's the God who changes my future. Lord, I pray over your people. 
so that they would know how wide and how deep and how far is the love for them in Christ Jesus that we have. I ask that in the great name of the greatest Christmas gift, the first and only Christmas gift, in the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord. In his name we pray, and all of God's people said, amen.